Here on Stolen Lives, we discuss brutal and heartbreaking crimes against children. Themes may include child murder, torture, and sexual, domestic, and child abuse. I do try my best to remain respectful for the babies in these stories and leave out unnecessary details that honestly, none of us need to know to understand the frustration of why and how this ever happened. However, if you find any of these themes triggering, this podcast may not be for you. Listener discretion is advised. This week's episode is a listener suggestion. Thank you to John for bringing Patricia and Leanne's story to my attention. I'd never heard of this story before, and honestly, when I look into it, I'm not surprised. There is literally nothing after the trial, and even before that, It seems the news articles were hidden away and very short on detail, which is heartbreaking to me. Here are two girls who had their lives stolen in the most brutal and horrific of ways. I'm going to bring you everything I could find, which isn't much, but it is something to remember these beautiful girls. 1995, Sunshine Coast, Queensland, Australia. Two young girls went door knocking around their neighbourhood, looking for odd jobs. The girls' paths would cross with a convicted sex offender and the girls wouldn't make it home. One father, finding the girls brutally beaten and assaulted bodies lying in the sand dunes the next day. One key piece of evidence would quickly lead police to their killer, a man who had been convicted of a similar crime ten years earlier. This is Patricia and Leanne's story. 1995. The ladies had only recently moved to the Sunshine Coast from Townsville, Queensland with their daughter Patricia. Patricia was excited for the move. The Sunshine Coast is known for its beaches and beautiful people, almost like Hollywood for the eight-year-old girl. Patricia would be enrolled in Boccarina State School and quickly made her best friend, 10-year-old Leanne Oliver. Both girls lived in the same neighbourhood on Illaroo Street. The girls not only became best friends, but so did their families. It wasn't unusual for one family to visit the other for a weekend barbecue. The last weekend of October 1995 was no exception. Sunday, October 29, 1995. The ladies attended a neighbourhood barbecue at the Oliver family home. Patricia and Leanne had other plans, though. Bored with watching the adults talk and drink beer, they decided they wanted to go make some quick money. They would ask their neighbours to do odd jobs in exchange for some pocket money. Patricia and Leanne knew their parents would never agree, but they had a cover. Leanne told her brother they had permission to go, so he wouldn't tattle on them, and in the early afternoon they went on their way. Neighbours would later report seeing the girls going from house to house. Neighbour Christine Scarlett was approached by the girls, offering to help her in the garden. Quote, They seemed a bit timid and shy, standoffish, but they still had the confidence to come up and ask, At the same time, the Oliver's neighbour was also having a barbecue get-together. In attendance was 27-year-old Paul Stephen Osborne and his girlfriend. Osborne knew the Olivers and their daughter Leanne in passing. It was a small and friendly neighbourhood. Osborne would later state that day he was drinking heavily, at least 12 full-strength beers in total, and he had been smoking marijuana. Osborne and his girlfriend left the barbecue around 4pm to walk to their home in nearby Wartala. Osborne's girlfriend would later tell police that Osborne was lagging behind and then he was gone. 
The girls were determined and had next come across another neighbour with her dogs, asking this neighbour if they could walk the dogs for her. The neighbour witnessed a man matching Osborne's description calling out to Leanne and the girls walked over to him to have a short conversation. The girls seemed comfortable, not afraid of the men or anything like that, so the neighbour continued on her way without a second thought. The last sighting of the girls would be at Warnara Beach between 4.30 and 5pm. Several eyewitnesses would later report seeing the girls with a man who would later be identified as Paul Osborne. Again, the girls seemed relaxed and happy. The trio were swimming and it looked like they were having a good time. The witnesses could be excused of thinking this was a father with his daughter and her friend. There was nothing to suggest the brutal violence that would soon follow. That evening, the Oliver's barbecue was over and the ladies were ready to head home, but Leanne and Patricia were nowhere to be found. This was when Leanne's brother told on them, revealing the girl's plan to make some money while the adults were busy. Leanne's father, Albie Oliver, told the other worried adults he would handle it. He would go out and search for the girls. What he thought would be an easy and quick search, he thought he would find the girls walking home fairly quickly. He would have been ready to give them a lecture on not wandering off without telling someone where they were going and when they were going to return. But the hours would pass and worry would turn to panic. There was no trace of the girls anywhere in the neighbourhood. Albie would expand his search to nearby Warnaro Beach, a location the girls would frequent regularly. Monday, October 30th, 1995, 5am. Albie Oliver was searching the sand dunes on Wanara Beach when he stumbled across every parent's worst nightmare. He found the bodies of his daughter, 10-year-old Leanne Oliver, and her friend, 8-year-old Patricia Leedy, lying side by side. They were partially clothed and battered beyond recognition. Albie ran to the closest payphone and called the police. The crime scene was a hive of activity within minutes. Crimes like this just didn't happen in the sleepy beachside town. This area was filled with young families and professionals. Crime was low and violent crime was unheard of. Queensland police would later state the crime was one of the most brutal they had ever seen. Leanne and Patricia's classmates were counselled to deal with losing their friends and parents were told not to allow their children out of their sight, which would have been even more traumatising for these children, when previously they had the freedom to play outside until dark. Police Minister Paul Brady promised they were going to find the girl's killer as a matter of priority, and that all available police officers would be put on the case. Quote, What we must do is find this culprit as soon as possible and make sure he is locked away for the rest of his life. Unquote. Initially, it was theorised the girl's murder may have been connected to the August 1995 disappearance of another local woman, 22-year-old Tabitha Hodge. Tabitha was last seen driving away in her car from a friend's home in nearby Pacific Paradise on August 13, 1995, only two months earlier, despite an extensive search by emergency services and a widespread publicity campaign by her family. No trace of either Tabitha nor her car were ever found. I couldn't find any more reference to Tabitha in connection to Leanne and Patricia, Unfortunately, it seems that Tabitha's disappearance goes cold and remains unsolved to this day. The sand dunes where the girls were found was cordoned off with crime scene tape. 
while the area was searched inch by inch meticulously for evidence by 60 police, including detectives and forensic experts. A number of pieces of evidence were removed for examination, the girl's clothing and a blood-covered tree stump. But of most interest to police was a man's wallet half-buried in the sand, the identification inside leading police to their one and only suspect, Paul Stephen Osborne. Osborne was brought immediately in for questioning. He was already known to police. He'd already served time in prison for a violent sexual assault and attempted murder of a teenage woman. 1985. Osborne attacked a 19-year-old woman in Brisbane, Queensland. He sexually assaulted her and attempted to strangle her. And like with the double murder he was now being questioned for, in this attack he left behind personal papers in a bag at the crime scene which was his downfall then and possibly now. For this crime, he was sentenced to six years in prison, but would only serve less than four years, being paroled early on good behaviour. Osborne, of course, initially denied involvement in Leanne and Patricia's murders, but once police dropped their key piece of evidence, his wallet, Osborne would confess to being responsible. However, due to the amount of alcohol and drugs consumed at the barbecue, he claimed not to remember much about the attack. When police asked him why he killed the girls, he replied, I don't know. I don't know whether I blacked out or went crazy. They were nice girls. What Osborne said he did remember. He remembered seeing the girls on the beach and the three of them went for a swim. He remembered leaving and the girls chasing him as they were returning his wallet he had forgotten. Osborne said the next thing he remembered was holding a large tree branch or stump and was bashing the girls and they were unconscious or dead. He said he didn't remember sexually assaulting them. However, Leanne and Patricia's autopsies would show both girls were sexually assaulted before their deaths. Just before midnight, Monday, October 30th, 1995, Paul Stephen Osborne would be arrested and charged with the sexual assaults and murders of 10-year-old Leanne Oliver and 8-year-old Patricia Leedy. The public was understandably angry. Almost 200 people lined the street outside the court, yelling abuse as Osborne was taken in for his trial, holding up placards demanding to reinstate the death penalty. A crane was draped with a banner. Osborne's defence asked for leniency due to their client being under the influence at the time of the crime. Interestingly, this was the same defence used during Osborne's previous conviction 12 years earlier. Albie Oliver took the stand and testified at discovering the bodies of his only daughter and her best friend, that he now suffered from post-traumatic stress disorder because of what happened, that he and his wife had separated, that he had lost his entire family because of Osborne's actions that day, that he found it difficult to accept Leanne was never coming back. I honestly could not imagine finding what Albie found that day and not be psychologically affected. February 1997. Paul Stephen Osborne was sentenced to two consecutive sentences of life imprisonment for the murders, plus an additional 46 years without the possibility of parole for the sexual assaults. He would basically need to live three lifetimes to serve his sentences. In sentencing, Queensland Supreme Court Justice Glenn Williams said he had no other option as Osborne was quote-unquote beyond redemption. Albie Oliver spoke outside the court, telling the waiting media he was satisfied justice had been done, but it still didn't bring his daughter back. Quote, 
but the one thing I am not happy about is that he is still alive. Unquote. Leanne was described as gifted and lovable, beautiful. She loved everyone and loved life. Heartbroken, Albie told the court during his testimony, quote, She wouldn't harm a fly. It's just so unfair that someone would do that to her. Unquote. And that was recognised on November 2nd, 1995, when more than 300 attendees attended Leanne's funeral at Gregson and Waite Chapel in Caloundra to mourn and say goodbye to their daughter, sister and friend. Leanne's teacher read a poem that Leanne had recently written in class during the hour-long service. Patricia's funeral was the following day, November 3rd, 1995, at St. Patrick's Cathedral in Toowoomba, where the ladies previously lived. The ladies soon moving back to the comfort of their hometown, away from the grief and tragedy of where their Patricia lost her life. If you have your own thoughts and theories on the case we discussed today, or any case we talk about on Stolen Lives, please search Stolen Lives on Facebook, like the page so you don't miss an episode, and join the discussion group to talk about your thoughts and theories. You can also talk to us on Twitter, search lives underscore stolen, or on Instagram, Stolen Lives Podcast. If you like what you heard today, we would appreciate it if you share this episode on your social media of choice and subscribe and leave a positive review on your podcast app. Today's episode was researched and written by me, Ali. Hosting and production was also by me, Ali. Music is by Mayu. Mayu.